Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Streaming box technology and business rundown. Welcome to the Screaming Box Technology and Business Rundown podcast. Today we're talking with Marwan Forsley, CEO and co-founder of the fintech company Veeam.com a company focused on automating accounts payable and receivables for business. Starting with the intention of making business payments as simple as sending email, Veeam levels the playing field by providing entry-level payment tools for small businesses. Prior to Veeam, Marwan founded and served as CEO of eBillMe, an online payment solution that extends online banking to merchant checkout process. After selling eBillMe to Western Union, Marwan joined Western Union's digital team as general manager for e-commerce and strategic partnerships. With his extensive experience and expertise in e-commerce infrastructure, mobile payments, content delivery, and alternative payment systems, Marwan co-founded Align Commerce in 2014 and changed the name to Veeam in 2017. In the name of transparency, I'm just going to let you know Screenbox has been using Veeam since January of 2016, so we kind of have a user's understanding of the platform. Uh, So, Marwan, did I kind of miss anything in the intro, or is that That's that's great. Thank you. And thanks for being a customer of Veeam as well for a long time, so thank you for that. Yes. Marwan, let me start the, well, at the basics. How did Veeam start? I mean, we are aware that you've had experience from eBillMe and uh, Western Union, but uh, what was the catalyst? You know, one of the things that's uh, interesting about payments uh, that, that I am always been attracted to that, that payments are uh, things you do and you don't think about them. So when you buy coffee in the morning, you don't think of how you pay, you just do it. Your mind is somewhere else on everything else in life. The payment part is habitual. You, you, you go to your wallet, whatever you have, you know, card, cash, if you have mobile phone, you tap your phone and you're done. You, you know, your mind, it's, it's very habitual. You can do it in your sleep. If you do business payments, it's the opposite of simplicity. Um, it's something that requires thinking, planning. Um, you got to think about when to do it, how to do it. And because of that, I wanted to create Veeam to simplify the entire experience, dumb it down, make it as simple as buying a cup of coffee. It turns out that it's actually a journey because business payments are a lot more complex uh, compared to compared to consumer payments. And so to walk you through the difference between the two worlds, I'm going to digress here for a minute. If you're sending money to your sister, uh, you don't think a lot about it. You just do it. If you're doing business payments, there's so many layers to that transaction. First of all, you know, you... The environment to do business payments are basically wires and checks. And these are uh, payment methods that have seen zero innovation for decades. So that's like issue number one. Issue number two is when you start running a business, you have people and you have processes and you got to figure out who's supposed to pay. Is it it the owner, the accountant, the the controller, the, the CFO, depending on the size of the business? You start going into definitions of roles and processes and approvals. When you start doing cross-border transactions, it takes it up a notch in complexity because you have to figure out 
foreign exchange and how to account for it and how to think of the cost of it. And then you got to integrate all this into your accounting systems because at the end of the day, somewhere in QuickBooks or Zero or Netsuite or whatever you're using on the back end, things got to add up, you know, the payments against the invoices. So this ends up being a complex environment to simplify. And that's why we created Veeam. It's a journey. It's a journey of simplification, of testing different things, giving different options to customers to just keep simplifying and dumbing it down. That's the context of why we started Veeam. By the way, Veeam is V-E-E-M. It's very easy exchange of money. That's the name. Oh, that's, well, that's the best name. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the best brand well, name we had on this podcast so far. Yeah, very go. easy exchange of money. Love it. Uh, so as you said, it, it really does sound like it was a journey. Um, I, I am somewhat familiar with business payments already since uh, I do try to run my own business. It, uh, it is a hassle. It's a big yeah. hassle, actually. <laughs> it's a huge pain. Uh, so you already mentioned uh, accounting, uh, invoices, approvals, and so on and so forth. What was the the, the main or the, the central needs or business pain that you were trying to solve or alleviate? Yeah. It's really centered around a simple way to move money. All you need is an email and an amount and you're done. So if I'm sending money from, let's say, California to Germany uh, or California to New York, it's the same methodology. I log into the platform, I enter the, the email address of the party I'm sending money to, the amount, you hit pay, and you're done. We pick up money from the payer, we move it to the receiver. And so that simplicity is, is so much different than bank wire. Um, if you're sending wires to Germany, it's the cost of it, it's the time of it, it's the transparency of it. Um, and it's just like, you know, the, the, the form that you have to fill when you send the wire, it's like, uh, um, you know, it takes, <laughs> you got to find the Swift codes and the intermediary bank account information, and then you got to figure out how to do it before cutoff times. And just the entire experience is, is something that needs to be ripped up completely and changed with something that's more modern. That's why we created Veeam. Yeah, that, that was the main reason why we started using, uh, well, at the time, Align Commerce and then Veeam. Uh, is that uh, you know I was sending payments. We, we, most of our developers are in, in Eastern Europe or Europe, and some in South America. And uh, you know, trying to send them money by PayPal was really expensive. Um, and so Veeam offered a way that it, we could send it. Two things: one by email, which made it easy, and that was much easier than trying to log in and send a wire. And it was more cost-effective than a wire. Um, it required a little bit more paperwork on the developer's end, but nobody complained about it. Uh, and it seemed to just be much faster and easier. Yeah, and the experience on the receiving end, uh, what they was mentioned, is you know, generally in the wire world, uh, the sender does all the work, the receiver is passive, you just receive money. In the Veeam world, the sender's experience is, is very different, is much simpler, and in return, the receiver needs to be more active on the system. And in return, the receiver gets benefits for using a system to do their own payables or their own receivables. So that's a being a net benefit for the, for the receiving end. You must know pretty much all the ins and outs of uh, business transfers by now. And we're wondering what were the mechanics of money transfer that you figured out that, uh, that solved this uh, central problem? And how did Veeam's process differ 
from others at the time, such as uh, PayPal? Uh, I mean, it's depending. It, it, it's, it, PayPal is designed for a different environment. They're designed for e-commerce. They're, de they're designed for um, some consumer remittance transactions, but it's a different fabric. Business transactions um, are, are uh, require a lot more payment options to work with. So, so in the Veeam environment, you have the ability to pay with your bank account, fast or slow, uh, credit cards, debit cards, checks, whatever the payer wants, and equally important, whatever the receiver wants. So the receiver then has a bunch of options to work with. They want to receive it, uh, you know, on their bank account. They want to pick it up on a debit card. Um, so we give them multitude of options to work with, and that flexibility gives a choice to the to the payer and support for multiple use cases at the same time. So, so a lot of customers use us to pay suppliers, pay labor, you know, developers and sales agents and QA and, and all kinds of uh, freelancers around the world. Um, some customers use us to do intercompany transfers between their bank accounts. So we create quite a bit of uh, flexibility on the platform to enable multiple use cases and give you all the payment options that you prefer uh, when you do your payments. The, the reason why payment options are important because it's, it's all about cash flow management. You know, you, with Veeam, you can pay later, you can pay now, you can pay slow, you can pay fast. All of this is designed to help you with your cash flow needs. So that's how we kind of think of the experience end to end. So does we manage uh, monthly payments as well? Subscriptions maybe? Yeah, so we, uh, if you have, if you need support for uh, monthly payments, uh, we pick it up and essentially return uh, the payments to you from customers around the world or, or domestic. We do both domestic and cross-border. Um, and we support, uh, you, you can set it up in the system as a recurring schedule and the system would essentially get the payment, pick it up, send it to you every month. You do mention many payment options and uh, I know uh, this is not a surprise to anyone who has been listening to this podcast, but it may be a surprise to you. My favorite payment option, uh, all-time favorite for the moment anyway, is uh, Apple Pay. Apple Pay is more for point-of-sale uh, interaction, and it's a great payment option. Uh, we're doing uh, essentially online transactions, and it's uh, business transactions that tend to be bigger in size. So Apple Pay is consumer point-of-sale. It's very consumer-like. Uh, transactions. So remember, our uh, transaction sizes are much bigger than consumer because they're for business needs. So we 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 don't support it at the moment because it's you know businesses are are more into like uh, you know payments from bank accounts, payments from cards. Believe it or not, checks checks is like it's another thing that people do in the US. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's still thing. It's still. It's still going in the U.S. market. There's a lot of checks that, that, that happen. So while I'd love to support more <laughs> and more modern transactions Wait. and modern systems like Apple Pay, the, the reality is a lot of the businesses are still on uh, older-fashioned technologies. Cash tends to play up more in consumer markets. In, in businesses are bank accounts and cards. That are these are the two key instruments. I mean, that's kind of one of the benefits for us. Is I've always run Screenbox. We have never had a checking. We have a checking account, but we've never had checks. I have never written a screaming box check to pay anyone. 
right? I've either used Veeam or one of the other payment processing, but, but I've never written a check. And one person once asked me to send him a check. I said, I don't even have a check. That's good, Dave. I wish more businesses are like, are like you, but that's not how it works. <laughs> There's a lot of checks. Uh, yeah, I know. In the United States, for yeah. some reason, they love their checks. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's declining in size and volume, but it's still a big instrument in the U.S. market. Veeam is pretty well easy to integrate into, at least from our standpoint, QuickBooks Online. Uh, and that's one of the benefits that we find with Veeam is that it's much easier to integrate in. Uh, you know, but, you know, there's a lot of these platforms that small businesses are using. What's your integration journey like or how painful or how, what's your focus on integration with platforms like this? Yeah, we, we, we like it. It's whatever is simplest for the customer we do. And so it's important to support accounting systems. QuickBooks is a key one in the U.S. market. Zero is another one that has a flavor of both domestic and international accounts. Uh, NetSuite is for bigger customers. We, we also do Acumatica. And we have um, um, one of the EVARs has also a plugin that's Veeam to SAP plugin. Um, same thing on the Acumatica side is a Veeam to Acumatica plugin. So if you're... Uh, on the larger end of the market, you, you would need one of the, you know, more uh, packages designed for bigger operations or small business, QuickBooks, Zero. That, that's all, uh, you know, good to, to work with. So we, uh, it's a two-way integration. So whatever you do in Veeam ends up in QuickBooks, whatever happens in QuickBooks ends up in Veeam is a two-way sync. So in addition to working on these integrations, um, while you were building web and mobile platforms, what were some of the challenges you encountered? One of the things that, that is challenging in uh, products like Veeam is actually regulatory and compliance um, in figuring out all the rules required to move money. Uh, we're, we're a licensed entity, so we're, we're a money service business, which means that you have to be licensed in every state in the U.S. We have licenses in Canada and Whole bunch of sub licenses in other parts of the world, UK, Eurozone, uh, Australia, and uh, and so when you're moving money, you gotta be knowledgeable about the payment systems not only in the U.S. but also outside of the U.S. So it's a it's a complex environment to operate in, which is uh, um, requires high knowledge of the various regulatory regimes and compliance regimes around the world, and that's. Like not a walk in the park, let's put it this way, it requires quite a bit of uh, knowledge of, of systems, infrastructure, um, both payment and, and regulatory in different parts of the world. Plus those regulations are changing all the time. So you probably have a whole team that's just dedicated to, to altering the software to take into account all the different regulatory changes that happen. Yeah, year. yeah. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's part of being in the business is being in tune with what's going on. Uh, in, in, in the requirements of the banks and the regulators that we work with. And what has been the biggest change to the business model since you started in 2014? I'd say when we first started the business, uh, it was more cross-border oriented. There's a lot of cross-border flows. And so that's how we built it. Uh, over time, we a lot of customers use us for domestic as well. So the system evolved to do both domestic and cross-border at the same time. And so we support quite a bit of domestic transactions, like 
you know, when I say domestic, this is U.S. dollar inside the U.S. or Canadian dollar inside Canada. So this is local in-country transactions. So when, when we first started the business, we, we didn't think we would be like a big participants of, of domestic transactions, but that's what customers wanted. So we, we go with the customer and at the end of the day, we're here to support our customers. And it was important for them to, to do domestic as well. So we, we added quite a bit of functionality and features for domestic markets. The advantage of having a, a virtual or SaaS-based product, which is what Veeam is, is that when you get feedback from customers, you're able to alter the software to take care of needs. So my, my question is, how much of that is occurring? You know, the, the development of the platform, uh, I'm sure you guys have a roadmap and a development plan, but how much of that is affected by, you know, large customers saying, hey, we wish we could do this, or the, the platform doesn't work this way with that, but we'd like it a different way. How much of your platform development is orientated from customer feedback versus your own roadmap? I'd say like it's a good chunk of it is influenced by customers and partners. It's the combination of the two that, uh, that influences what actually happens. And you're looking for feedback points from multiple uh, customers. Because we, remember, we have a large number of businesses that are on the platform. You're looking for patterns of feedback because it's very hard to listen to one customer in this instance because it's not like I have Microsoft as a customer and they're really big customers, whatever they want, we need to do. I don't, I don't have that set up. I have a long list of, of customers and we look for patterns among the customers to see what's important to them. And so we're constantly aggregating that feedback and trying to figure out, okay, where do we make changes that affect uh, larger groups of clients? And so that's one stream. The other stream is input from partners. We plug into accounting systems, to banks. Uh, we plug into vertical software uh, uh, players. And so you get feedback from them as well because they tend to represent needs of their communities. And so we, 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 we need to listen to that, to that feedback as well. So the combination of the two. Yes, and having a long list of clients does uh, sound like a relatively healthy arrangement in this space. 700,000 accounts at the moment on Veeam. Like, I mean, we, before, I think when we first started with Dave, we were like, uh, I don't know, a uh, few thousands. <laughs> I mean, Dave was one of the early ones. And, uh, and yeah, it evolved quite a bit. It's, uh, um, there's, there's about 700,000. I think we crossed that like a few weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations on that milestone. Yes. Let's let's get it to one million. Working on it. <laughs> what what uh, <laughs> what would you say is a, a typical example of uh, a client of yours or a customer? What what how how has that changed from the beginning, and and what is it kind of like now? Yeah, I mean, the bulk of customers use us to pay suppliers, uh, domestic and cross border, um, so vendors. Uh, some some customers use us to pay labor and uh, 1099s, freelancers, contractors, um, sales agents all, all around the world. Um, some customers use us to balance funds between they usually have subsidiaries in multiple places and they want to be able to move money from their U.S. office to their Mexico office or from their U.S. office to their uh, you know Germany office. So we intercompany transfers is another use case. And then the fourth use case uh, is collections. We have two forms of that. We have customers that use us to collect payments on invoices. They create the invoice on Veeam, send it out, and collect uh, payments against it. 
uh, or sometimes they pick up the invoice from, they have it in QuickBooks, it auto syncs with Veeam, they log in, they push it out, then they there's a pay link with the invoice. When you click on the pay link, you, you choose the payment option, you get it done, the system reconciles the payment against the invoice and the data feeds into your QuickBooks account. So collections is another form of, uh, uh, of payments that we support. There's uh, one more use case that's more recent, that's sort of, I think of it like an emerging use case. We have some customers that use us at the checkout uh, for business purchases online. Um, these are large transactions where the buyer is a business buyer. Generally, they drop off and send the wire in and the merchants don't like it because they have to go process the wires and figure out how to fulfill the orders. So what we do is we keep the payment, we close the payment at the checkout. So the, the business buyer essentially pays from their bank account. We pick it up, we settle with the merchant and that way it stays in the shopping cart. So that's another thing that we've uh, we've been doing. But there's quite a bit of use cases on the platform. So, so there's a lot of flexibility on how you how you could use Veeam. And, you know, that uh, example you just used about a buyer buying something on a website, large corporate purchase, uh, and then using Veeam to pay for that, you know, that mechanism is pretty similar to what would be occurring on the consumer level for smaller purchases. Are you guys thinking maybe of going into that in the future and entering that market? Um, you know, we'll see if the customers need it. I mean, generally we go with whatever the customers uh, want us to do. And if there's enough demand, we would do it. I think the area we're filling in at the moment is, is situ situations where uh, the transaction is big. It doesn't quite happen on cards. And so the customer drops off and sends a wire in. And the, the merchant generally is like, I just don't want to deal with this uh, offline and adding more manual processes. Just want a way to automate it and that's where we come in to help with automation and integration of the payment method to their order management system but you know if there's demand for uh consumer transaction we'll take a look see if we can help i remember originally that a lot of your transactions were assisted by blockchain and bitcoin um the crypto market's obviously been going through some significant changes um how has that affected your business? Do, do you still use a lot of blockchain and crypto or has that changed? And what do you think that where the direction of crypto is going to be going in relation yeah. to Veeam? We use uh, crypto uh, as a way to move money uh, in some corridors. And so we go fiat, crypto, crypto, fiat. So um, think of a transaction from US to Mexico, for example, it'll be US dollar, crypto, crypto, pesos. Uh, now this is all behind the scenes. It doesn't like the customer doesn't see it. And generally it's internal routing and we only use it when it gives us an edge uh, against some of the existing payment methods. And where the edge is, is sometimes overnight settlement. So like, let's say you want to pay somebody in Mexico and uh, you want to make sure that when they wake up, they know the money is in the country. So one thing that's beautiful about that method about the blockchain is the transaction tracking is pretty high and it's live 24 by seven. So you can do payments anytime you want. It's not like bank, banks where there's banking hours. There, there is no such thing in the crypto world. So we can route all night and say to the customer, the money is in the country. When, you, when the bank opens up, it'll be there. It'll be deposited. So that's how we use it. The, the amount of usage has gone up and down depending on you know cycles and time and 
the state of the market. But in general, like we don't we don't hold crypto. We're not necessarily long or short on it. We we don't care about the price. We go in and out, um, and we use it as a utility. So we're pretty immune from all the changes in the market because of FTX and and other meltdowns in in that space. We we're very utility like we we pick up um, um, we, we buy and sell at the same time and therefore it protects from any big fluctuations in the market you're, you're using it more as a mechanism for moving the yeah. currency versus uh, a speculation tool yeah yeah we don't, we don't I mean we don't do that it's it's where we're payment processing and so we use it for the purpose of moving money from uh, one point to another and it creates more efficiency than traditional rails. It seems like that on your back end, you do a lot of analysis of the different money movement mm -hmm. processes mm -hmm. and mechanisms, and you're always having to look at the cost effectiveness of one or another, which seems to be always changing all the time. Um, how do you do that? Are you using a lot of AI to, to kind of figure that out? Or is it more uh, financial analysts who are doing it and then plugging it into the system? That must be a pretty complex kind of process. It's all uh, pattern driven. So we uh, uh, look for data to detect patterns to see what the trending history is on on the flow of money and uh, see if, uh, if, it's, if we make changes to that pattern if it becomes simpler, better, cheaper to the customer, uh, then we do it. Um, and, uh, and the system is set up to detect, uh, you know, if there's any large changes and alerts to look at that data to see if it makes sense to optimize it, you know, and, and make some of the changes. But it, it is heavy on technology and, and um, looking at uh, large sets of data to, to work with and making recommendations based on what the system observes up as changes in patterns. I would suspect that AI is going to have more of a role in particularly mm -hmm. data analysis. Are you guys looking at certain AI technologies, machine learning, things yeah. like that? Is there like a focus or are you guys pretty open to anything that develops? No, machine learning is definitely part of the data team to look at, uh, you know, what's been the behavior and the patterns on the system to come up with, uh, you know, recommendations on what to do next. Um, big fans of that, and I think there's uh, room in the in the system and in the industry to use data to create insights to help you uh, manage the business better. Big big fan of that. Listening to all this uh, talk about crypto being used as a method of uh, transferring money, essentially or fiat, as you said. Uh, I was wondering, uh, it sounds very difficult to integrate all of this. Uh, is it difficult? And are there any special as aspects that you needed to plan out? Well, it, it's, uh, is it difficult? It, it absolutely is difficult. I mean, uh, we're moving, <laughs> um, we're, we're moving people's money and that's a responsibility. Uh, Let's put it this way, you can't wing it. It's not like something that you just take lightly. Uh, I mean, the legal, compliance, security, uh, payment processing infrastructure, I mean, it's heavy on, on, on that knowledge. Um, and uh, these types of systems are, take time to build and they, they are complex to build. 
uh, but we, you know, all of us have been in payments for a long period of time. And so we built it uh, from knowledge, from doing this in multiple uh, other environments. Uh, you know, all of us come from backgrounds of people that have done payments domestic and cross-border. Um, but it's definitely not a walk in the park. <laughs> it, it, it does require um, investment in technology and processes and people and understanding the nuances of uh, payments around the world. And it's a big world. So, so it, it does require knowledge. One of the frustrating things that everybody has is a story about customer service. And uh, if you've had a problem with something, even as something like Facebook or whatever, it's almost impossible to get customer service. Um, what has been Veeam's approach to customer service and, and how does it focus, what, what's your focus on providing customer service? We take the opposite approach actually. Um, so we, the chat box is available anywhere, like on the website, when you log in the chat, boxes right there you interact with customer success there's a 1-800 number you can call and uh, talk to somebody live um, and so we are believers in that and if you look our at our trust pilot reviews like when we're up there in positive reviews because we it's important to have a system where customers feel comfortable and part of feeling comfortable is you know talking to somebody to understand like is there you know here's where my Here's where my issues is. Can you help me? Um, I think that is important. You know, I think um, the model of of hiding and making it complex for you to contact support um, is not a model that would work in an environment like this when you're moving money to for for people. You need to be the other way around, more 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 facing when it comes to support. Yeah, I, I wish uh, TransferWise would have that attitude. Uh, if you have a problem with TransferWise, uh, forget it. <laughs> You're not getting yeah. helped. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's something that we get a lot of feedback on, and customers really like it that that there's somebody to talk to. And so chat is very popular. A good testimony is the fact that I don't think we've called customer service in years uh, because the platform just seems to work. But we're probably not the most complex. A customer, our transactions are very similar each one. So, but uh, yeah, we you know uh, we haven't had to really call it. But uh, I, I think in the in the next uh, decade, uh, customer service is going to become more and more important. Uh, I'm I'm sensing in a lot of people uh, a frustration in dealing with tech companies, and a lot of tech companies want to hide from their customers and don't want to deal with the problem. So they put in, you know, chat boxes that go nowhere and send us an email, but you can't call us and, and that type of stuff. And I, I'm seeing that pendulum kind of start swinging towards, we don't really like that. I'd rather deal with somebody I can talk to. Uh, and I think that your philosophy on, on making customer service accessible and, and having a person that someone can talk to, I think in the long run, that's actually going to be a, a better way. Yeah, to do thank it. you for the feedback. I mean, uh, we believe in it. It's there. It's available for customers to use. And, uh, and like I said, it's part of building trust and making sure that uh, customers are happy with the system. Uh, have you ever looked into assisting uh customer support reps with uh, AI. So I know that some systems exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we we are looking at uh, uh, combinations that are, we call them interactive uh, chat, where some of it is 
for basic things, uh, you know, you can sup get support from the machine itself. Like if you're looking at, for example, what's the status of my payment, that like that like a, a, a machine can look it up and give you a status uh, without tying up a person to do it. Um, uh, so I think we're uh, looking to make sure that the, the things that can be automated, uh, we we do them uh, with with uh, AI and bots and. And the things that are more complex, we do with people, and and that works for both parties. It works for the company and it works for the customer because you know, why wait for somebody to look up status and get back to you on where my payment is? The machine should look it up and give you answer in three seconds. Well, that's certainly one type of user, but then there's the other type of user, the tech savvy user who just hates dealing with machines in general. Yeah. I mean, there has been this god-awful trend lately of uh, doing virtual voice assistants, even for big companies like banks and mobile providers. It's crazy. It's absolutely useless. Uh, yeah, you know, like, you, you gotta, I mean, um, so, like, one, one thing about this business, uh, you, you deal with uh, users from all walks of life and, and all backgrounds and all kinds of desires and so in general you want to be able to tailor to the different settings and so some people want to be able to chat and some people want just want quick answers and so you got to be able to support both right as long as there's the option to press zero to talk to an operator i think you're golden <laughs> that's the most important thing uh what i meant about assisting uh, the customer service reps is uh, there's this uh, fun trends of uh, uh, training AIs on datasets uh, that are comprised of messages that they receive and send. And so if they have a certain style of uh, dealing with uh, issues or people or whatever, uh, the AI can uh, pre-write a, a template for them so they can just click and send that. Yep. Yeah, and that's what I meant by when I was saying interactive uh, support. That's that's what I meant by that. Is uh, it's a combination of live person and uh, automated uh, machines to help you with uh, uh, you know collecting your your data and collecting your issues and helping you come up with answers relatively quickly. And if 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 the answer doesn't make sense, you can always press zero and talk to somebody. Since you're dealing with so many different types of transactions. And you know, technically, you're a fintech company. Um, I guess one of the questions is: in in the the coming five, ten years, what do you see as kind of the fintech trends or the financial transaction trends that are developing that you think are going to become more popular in global financial transactions? Yeah, I'd say there's. Um... Definitely more and more interest in real-time payment methods um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, uh, some of the labor payments um, help customers when the payment is done fast, and especially if it's last minute. Um, so that, that the trend to move into real-time is, is something that um, I think is going to shape up, become bigger longer term. Wallets, a lot of popularity to wallet transactions. Uh, so we, we like that and we, we, we like supporting, we have the Veeam wallet and we're looking at to support other wallets as well. Um, generally um, integrations so that you um, access payments from 
the systems that you work on day to day. So like whether it's accounting systems or, or if you're in um, a bank, for example, uh, and you want to have access to Veeam-like functionality, you'll see it from the environment you're in. We're, we're believers in that model that um, take what we built and plug it in, embed it into somebody else's fabric to create an experience to the user where you don't have to move around between platforms. You can do it from the environment you're in. So I, I think these are, from a macro perspective, you know, important trends. The other trend that we see is this meshing of domestic and cross-border transactions. So like, for example, we have a customer that um, um, sells coffee and uh, you would think of this customer to be a domestic retail operation. I sell coffee to my walk-in customers. But the, but the really interesting thing about this customer is their website is uh, run out of uh, uh, a service provider that's uh, in, in Philippines and their bookkeeping is running out of, out of Mexico. Uh, and the customer is local. And so you see like this, um, you know, because of COVID and everybody's online, you find service providers that would, uh, that are, uh, you know, accessible at a different cost structure that to help you with your business. And this creates an environment where there's, you know, this intermingling between domestic and cross-border transactions because the world is getting flatter and flatter. And, um, and so this is an, an interesting behavior we're seeing. Are you seeing different regions of the world becoming more active or less active via financial transactions in your system? Probably what changed in COVID is the rise of payments to labor markets. Um, so we see a lot of transactions to places where uh, a lot of startups and businesses in the U.S. Um, get access to pockets of labor to help them with their business. So we see, you know, transactions flowing to um, India, Philippines, Brazil, Mexico, Poland, Ukraine, I mean, Russia, like all, all kinds of places where you have access to, to labor markets. Um, and the world again is getting flatter and flatter and we, cause we're all on zoom, um, you know, in the past pre COVID, uh, if I need something done, I look for someone around me to help me out to do it. When COVID happens, we're all on zoom. So people started looking for, um, getting help anywhere they can get help. And so that changed the makeup of the transactions to see more, um, cross border transactions to markets where, where, uh, businesses and customers get help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm curious to see how Africa will play in the future. Uh, their their banking system was, was not so up to date. I think it's becoming better. Uh, and I think people are looking yeah. at Africa as a labor market as well. Uh, and startups mm -hmm. are happening in Africa. I'm curious to see how that will develop in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's it's everywhere. I mean, we see um, Latam is a, is a good market. A lot, lot, of, lot of transactions to that area. Um, you, you know, um, I'd say like uh, Southeast Asia is another one. Like a lot of transactions to, you know, Philippines and Vietnam and uh, Cambodia and like all, all that, that whole area. Um, but, but so like, I mean, I think it's a big world and there's movement uh, around the world for uh, supporting, you know, uh, businesses in the U.S. that have international needs. So, talking about international needs, um, as as we know and as we discussed, Veeam is targeted at all sizes of businesses. Well, except maybe the tiniest retail customers at the moment. 
And many businesses are now using many different uh, SaaS platforms to run and manage their business. Uh, how big of a challenge is it to keep him up to date with all of those APIs, all of those uh, end-user license agreements, uh, all those partnerships? Yeah, I mean, we have a whole team that that's what they do is partnerships. So partnerships and partner implementations and keeping um, you know up to speed with the partner, looking for what they need and supporting them. So that's a that's a whole team there, just just maintaining these relationships. Um, and we we like that model. We like the partnership model. So we're going to continue to invest in embedding into more partner ecosystems. Where do you think Veeam is going in the next? couple of years what what's your vision for where how would you like to evolve veeam in 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 this financial tech space continuing where we started keep it keep simplifying keep streamlining keep keep innovating keep adding features keep embedding into other platforms um more partnerships more countries more payment methods so it's it's just the journey of simplification and streamlining and supporting customers we're on it. We're going to continue to be, to be on it. It's, it's, I, I will get to a point where like business payments, it's something you just do it. You don't think about it. It just becomes so intuitive. Um, like I said at the beginning, that's why we started Veeam. So as you may be aware, Revolut recently started a bank. Do you see a Veeam bank in the future when, when you think about uh, how you're planning to develop this uh, wonderful company? Um, you know, one of the things we are looking into, we've had customers ask for virtual bank accounts to be embedded in their wallet. We have a Veeam wallet that uh, enables you to hold funds with Veeam. And so we've uh, had requests to um, uh, open it up to include uh, actual bank accounts where you can deposit money into, uh, as well as uh, multi-currency setups so you can have multiple uh, sort of sub accounts under the same under the parent account. So we're, we're looking into that as a way to support the, the customers for what they're looking for. Well, Marwan, thank you so much uh, for being part of our podcast. We will have uh, your LinkedIn profile uh, in our description. So if anybody wishes to contact you or ask you questions, we'll have our next podcast in a month. And so we invite our listeners to join us then. Uh, thank you, and thanks for having me on your on your podcast. Great. We, we enjoyed having you. Thank you very much for taking this journey with us. Join us for our next exciting exploration of technology and business in the first week of every month. Please help us by subscribing, liking, and following us on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please let us know any subjects or topics you would like us to discuss in our next podcast by leaving a message for us in the comment sections or sending us a Twitter DM. Till next month, please stay happy and healthy. <laughs> <laughs>